Hello and welcome aboard the first ever BP's Awards Ceremony. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for being here. David, how you doing? I'm excited. Well, why is that? I don't think you need to ask. Look around you. Oh, We're man. In the, the beautiful Kodak Theater. <laughs> Abs- yes. That I don't know if it's still called that. It's always changing its name. Right, yeah. Uh, I thought you know, I- We should check the lease. We signed a... Did we sign a lease? What did we get into here when we decided to hold this at the Kodak Theater at Hollywood and Highland? David, I never thought that this tweaked audio uh, thing would pay off in such, to such an extent that we hold could on, now, lease. It's not, I for, I'm remembering now, it's now called the tweakedaudio.com Indeed, theater. Yes, yes. That's where, the, where we're having this award, the awards. All the stars are here. Oh, okay, all They're right. All in attendance. Okay, yeah. Do you want to name some of the stars? Sure. There's, oddly enough, now I'm only thinking of dead people. Uh, there's... They're here, too. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. TweakedAudio.com has really, <laughs> really dug deep. Yeah, they've, they've, they've gone out of their way. Uh, why, there's Diane Ladd. Oh, that is Diane Ladd. Yeah, very exciting. Hello, Diane. And thank, oh, and thank you for coming, Maury Chaikin. Oh, yeah, it's nice to see you again. It is und- I was a big fan of Nero Wolf. And why there's um Corey Uh-oh, here we go. Feldman. I'm pretty I You know what? They're both here. All right. One of them is alive and one of them isn't. But yeah. that's the power of the tweakedaudio.com empire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh well, thank thank you all for coming. Uh thank all the people in the back. Mhm. Uh, of the of the room who are basically just seat fillers, yeah, um, listeners of the podcast mm-hmm. who wrote and said they wanted to yeah. uh, fill seats. Steph for, Smith, nice to see you. For the cameras, well, no, Steph is here as our honored guest. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'm talking about listeners whose names we don't know. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so this is what? What is this? Why are we here? Why well, did we resurrect uh, one or more Corys from the dead? <laughs> In this theater. A Cory Anamora, you say. Okay, so, uh, yeah, all right, so what are the BPs? Okay, here's, 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 what, here's what they are. Uh, we polled all of our writers and our podcasters, as well as a few notable podcast guests, regarding what they considered to be the best films and film achievements of the year 2013. We tallied them up, and we're here now to present you all with the winners. This is our first time doing this. But we're very excited. So far, so good, right? Some slack. Yeah. Uh, But we're very excited to hopefully make this a yearly tradition. That is what the BPs are and hopefully will continue to be. Exactly. Indeed. And I like that you've come around to my way of pronouncing it. 
The BPs. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Look at that. The right side wins out again. Yeah. Or the left side, in this case. And Yeah, yeah fair enough. So, so okay. Uh, now, David, so the nature of what we are doing is we are looking back at 2013. Uh in your opinion, uh-huh. what has what kind of movie year has 2013 been? You and I have talked about this a little bit on the show in the past, but what do you think when you when I say the movie year of 2013? Go. Uh, I think that I have found myself surprised a lot this year. Okay, um, and not, not necessarily. It hasn't been the strongest year. Uh, but it, it's been it's been a year where um, certain movies uh, turned out to be a lot better than I would have thought they'd be, okay. such as Pain and Gain and Only God Forgives. Okay. Um, some movies maybe not so much. Uh, I mean, I think I when I at the beginning of 2013 when I talked about my most anticipated movies of the year, one of them was Pacific Rim, which is very no. near the bottom of my list of movies of the year. But this is a cause of celebrating. We're, we're celebrating movies here, not talking about movies we don't like. Uh, so I'll steer it clear of that. Uh, but it's also been a movie, uh, a year that, where, that I've noticed not only surprises of, oh, this I didn't expect this to be good and it wasn't, or, or vice versa, but even movies that I expected to be good were good in ways that I didn't see coming. I didn't expect The Wolf of Wall Street to be as much of a comedy as it right, is. yes. Uh, and that was a pleasant know. surprise. Yes. Um, I, I, uh, another one of my most anticipated, anticipated movies of the year uh, was Stoker. Mm-hmm. And I think that movie is not the movie I was expecting it to be, and it might even be better, or, but it's, it's, it's a lot different yeah. than what I expected. And I think that's, uh, that, that's, I think, been a trend um, that I've noticed this year. I found myself uh, laughing, I think, at more movies mm-hmm. than I expected to, to be funny, like I mentioned with, uh, with The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, uh, and I, I guess uh, Don John was another one that was very funny, uh, more funny than I expected it to be. But, uh, yeah, if uh, 2012 was a year last year, you know, the year before, Mm -hmm. that I thought was marked by a number of um, audacious choices. Yes. You know, there was Cloud Cloud Atlas, there was Django Unchained, Mm -hmm. there was even in my estimation, Les Miserables, uh, was, um, it it took some risks. Um, And this was a year that is characterized most by movies uh, turning out to be things other than I expected. And that's yeah, that's interesting that you that you put it that way because um, yeah, I agree. We, you you mentioned that uh, that 2013 was not necessarily the best year, and I would agree with that. Uh, but towards the end uh, of the year, uh, as tends to happen for it's me, a, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. I think yeah. that we we say oh, all the good movies come out at the end of the year because that's when they qualify for awards such as the BPs, mm-hmm. uh, and then people release all their best movies at the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> so it's it is that way. So I, you know, there's a there's a tendency on my part that when I say when I when I when I when I say that all the good movies come out at the end of the year, I feel like oh no, I'm just buying into the awards mentality. Yeah. But the truth is that the awards mentality has created a situation where most of the best movies come out at the end of the year. Yeah, and to the point where you just can't see them all. Uh, yeah, but and, and that's not entirely you know um, 
Stoker and before Midnight were uh, early releases. Right, as was uh, like Blue Jasmine, a movie that I really enjoyed. And uh, and what do you count as like a like end of the year? Do you mean like November, December, or any time after August? I, I think at this point it's any time after August. I yeah. think. Um, I think the you know it, it's fun to pick out like I think in 2012 the it was the master that sort of kicked off mm-hmm. right because that was in early September I think that that came out I think so yeah um, I know it was right around friend of the show Jason Eakin's birthday indeed um, that's why I remember uh, and this year I feel like uh, in my memory it was Lee Daniels the Butler was the first like okay uh, awardsy movie um, which I don't think is going to be getting. Spoiler, a lot of love from the BPs. Uh, well, the, the nominees have already been announced, David, so there's no spoilers here. Oh, oh he wasn't even nominated for anything. No. Uh, which is too bad. I, I know I'm part of the problem because I didn't nominate it for anything, but it is actually a really good movie. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, it's uh, having uh, tallied all the votes for uh, the, the BPs is that uh, I, I saw that there, there were a lot of movies that got some recognition from our writers or podcasters or, or uh, frequent guests or, or whatever. Um, but it does sort of not necessarily bum me out, but that like the thing there, there are a number of movies that I really loved uh, that I thought deserved maybe a bit more recognition, not merely from the BPs, but from the Oscars in general. But I do feel like our slate of nominees are so strong that I'm not totally sure what I would have removed and plugged, and then to, to plug this thing in. For example, um, this year, just in general, not just uh, with with the BPs, but uh, the the movie year uh, in general, uh, lead actress was an incredibly strong uh, category. Like just you know, in any in any awards, there there can only be five. Um, but there are easily like ten great performances, uh, maybe even fifteen, which is pretty rare for lead actress. Um, and so, one of my favorite performances of the year, which was Julia Louis Dreyfus in Enough Said, I I voted for her among other thing, uh, among several others for lead actress. She did not make the cut, and part of me thinks, oh, that's too bad. But I don't know who I would have taken out to put her in. You know, would it be, would it have been, you know, Greta Gerwig? I thought she was amazing in Francis Ha. You know, Kate Blanchett? No. Of I didn't not. see uh, Francis Ha, so Greta Gerwig can take a hike. So okay, fair enough. Have. Fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, so, uh, so I, was, I was disappointed by the film year. Uh, so I guess, I guess when, when I talk about being disappointed with the film year up until the end of the year, I guess at that point, what I'm talking about is by and large, not not 100% of the time, but by and large being disappointed with mainstream film and with, like, the blockbuster season and such. There were not really a lot of blockbusters that I this truly enjoyed. was rough. I liked Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, I enjoyed um, Iron Man 3. And much to my surprise, I really, really loved Monsters University. But The Wolverine was a disappointment, uh, and of course, Man of Steel, uh, which did not get uh, did not get the support for the BPs that I expected it to. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and 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 then I never saw Pacific Rim, but you weren't a big fan of it. No, I mean, I, I, of the like summer blockbusters. Well, I mean, 
I was going to say The Hunger Games, but that was a fall movie. Yeah. But that's, I mean, uh, as far as franchise movies, The Hunger Games was uh, fantastic. Yes, I really um, enjoyed it. Pain and Gain, as uh, uh, aforementioned, that was a, I think that was a summer or a late, a late spring release. I think so, Like yes. a May release, maybe? Uh, yeah, uh, it came out the same time around uh, as uh, Iron Man 3, so that was, that was in, uh, I think, May. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned Monsters University, uh... Uh, and uh, Oblivion, I've talked about before. I thought mm-hmm. was was quite good. Um, Two Guns was a, an overlooked, uh, fun uh, little genre movie. Yeah, and, and it looked good to me, but you, but I didn't get a chance to see it. And then you saw Oblivion, yeah, uh, only recently. Yes, and uh, and I, I didn't get a chance. It was a pre-summer release. I want to say it was like a March. I guess it, I guess it was spring. Yes, but it's uh, but yeah, you know, in previous years. You know, we get stuff like The Avengers, which stayed on my personal top ten for, yeah. you know, I think all the way down the line. I think it might have been my second or third favorite movie of 2012. Uh, and this year, as far as blockbusters, there just wasn't any of that. We didn't even have a Christopher Nolan Batman movie to be split, split to, to, to divide us as a film geek community. Oh, no, no question about it, yeah. But, uh, you know, next year... Uh, sorry, we're in 2014 now, and so we've got Interstellar to look forward to. I guess we could maybe throw quotes around that. We're staying um, positive. Absolutely. Keeping it posy on the BPs. I don't like that you said posy. I, you know what? I'm this close. If you say something like that again, I'm this close to telling all these nice people to just go home. Okay. Or to the... Or to the you know, the netherworld or whatever it is. <laughs> so, um, okay. But enough, you know what? We've teased this enough. Yeah. People want to know who won. Yes. Yeah, so let's go ahead and introduce our first introducer. Uh, you had the opportunity to say, let's get into it, shall we? I was literally just about to say it. Oh, okay. Um, let's get into it, shall we? And if you're sitting near Armored White, tell him to pipe down. All right, our first presenter is one of our writers and occasional podcast guest. He's our official Sundance correspondent and the producer of our video content. Please welcome Matt Warren. Thanks, guys. We all know that stunts are the only reason anyone goes to see any movies, which is why I'm glad you guys have found a uh, category for this at the Bippies. The nominees for Best Stunts are Spiro Razatos, Troy Robinson, and Oliver Schneider for Fast and Furious 6, Bradley Allen for The World's End, Jeff Haberstad, Marcos Rauthenwaite, sorry Marcos, and Eric Oram, Iron Man 3, Wu-Ping Yuan, the Grandmaster, I'm sure I pronounced that impeccably, and Kyle Gardner, Alan Poppleton, my phone just turned off. John, John Valera and Jonathan Eusebio for The Wolverine. And the winner is, envelope please. Bradley Allen, The World's End, which is a really great selection because as anyone who's seen Edgar Wright's movie knows, um, it, it's chock-a-block full of really great um, sort of action comedy uh, set pieces and uh, I think what kind of brings the stunt work in World's End um, above maybe uh, the rest of the nominees in this category is that it's stunt work designed both for action but also for comedy Um, and 
in a movie like this, the two are, are basically basically uh, intertwined. Uh, and the way uh, Bradley and Edgar Wright have staged the the uh, the action here, it, it you know you get nice full body shots, so you can see the physicality of the actors and what they're doing in the space. Um, nice long shots, so you can kind of see uh, kind of see the choreography play out, and it's not all cut to shit like one of you know one of these chaos cinema movies. And um, uh, the the way the way things are choreographed, it really establishes the geography of the space uh, where the stunt work is happening. And uh, I think the there are three kind of big main. Uh, uh, main set pieces that jumped to my mind in the movie. Um, the first one is the sort of brawl in the bathroom. Uh, later, there's one where um, Simon Pegg goes up against two kind of twin robots, and then a third one, which is a big brawl with a bunch of robots in uh, in a bar, uh, and that has a lot of sort of Buster, Eaton, uh, Buster Keaton-esque physical comedy mixed in with the stunt work, and so for all of these reasons, uh, this is a deserving award and I graciously accept it on Mr. Allen's behalf. Thank you. Our next presenter is one of our most prolific writers of Battleship Pretension and a frequent guest on several podcasts in the fleet. Please welcome Scott Nye. Thank you, guys. Good to be here. Uh, the category right now is Best Supporting Actor. The nominees are Barkhead Abdi, Captain Phillips. Bradley Cooper, American Hustle, James Franco, Spring Breakers, Jonah Hill, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave. Hold your applause. And the winner is... James Franco for Spring Breakers! Uh, James Franco gave a marvelous performance in Spring Breakers. I personally voted for him above all these others because I felt like he really understood exactly the movie he was in, which... Admittedly, not a lot of the other cast could quite do, um, and it was a very strange mood to tap into, but somehow he knew exactly what he was supposed to be. He played a character called Alien, who's kind of an all-purpose criminal mastermind, a drug lord, an arms dealer, a guy who just walks in the room and says, look at my shit, uh, because he has a lot of shit to gaze upon. Uh, James Franco's been doing st- very stellar work over the last couple of years, even if some people feel he's stretching himself too thin, I feel that he has been pushing himself in really interesting ways, and this is by far the most successful one to date. Uh, So congratulations, James Franco, on your BP. You know our next presenter is one of the creators of HIT! He is also a contributing writer for Battleship Pretension via satellite. Please welcome Craig Schrader. Thanks, guys. Let's just jump right into it. Here are the nominees for the 2013 BP for Best Animated Film. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, directed by Cody Cameron and Chris Pern. Despicable Me 2, directed by Pierre Coffin and Chris Renaud. Frozen, directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. Monsters University, directed by Dan Scanlon. And The Wind Rises, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. And the winner of the BP for Best Animated Film goes to Monsters University, directed by Dan Scanlon. Monsters University doesn't rely on its predecessor, 
2001's Monsters, Inc., it expounds on the first film and is both self-reliant and a perfect companion to the original. Billy Crystal and John Goodman return to voice Mike and Sully. The film takes place years before their eventual status as world-class scarers, when they are but students learning the ins and outs of scaring. Already boasting an impressive roster of voice actors, also including Nathan Fillion, Dave Foley, Charlie Day, and Aubrey Plaza, Helen Mirren is an absolute delight as the menacing Dean Hardscrabble. I couldn't help but love this film. It was my personal favorite of the year. It's, uh, it's as sincere as it is hilarious, and it's also making rather profound statements on creative fulfillment and friendship. And it does what Pixar does when it's at its best, and that's creating a fully realized world where monsters aren't something that you struggle too hard to believe in. They're, they, they just are. They exist. And that's because Pixar is great at, at making you really dive into this world. It's, it's also one of the funniest films of the year. The jokes are really sharp, and, and the film makes the absolute most of its distinctive voice talent. So here's to you, Monsters University. You beat out some really great competition, including a box office behemoth and an auteur supposed swan song. But alas, you are the winner of the 2013 BP for Best Animated Film. Wear it proudly. Our next presenter is one of our writers for Battleship Pretension, whose work you can regularly find on our website. Via satellite, here's Sarah Brinks. Thanks, guys. The nominees for Best Cinematography are Sean Bobbitt, 12 Years a Slave, Emmanuel Lubeski, Gravity, Bruno Del Bonel, Inside Llewellyn Davis, Rodrigo Prieto, The Wolf of Wall Street, Emmanuel Lubeski, To the Wonder. And the winner of the BP for Best Cinematography goes to Emmanuel Lubeski for Gravity. When I was coming up with my list of nominees for the BPs, Gravity was the first film I thought of for the cinematography category. Anyone who's seen Gravity knows that it's intense and it's beautiful. When I first saw the trailer of Sandra Bullock spinning off into space, I really wanted to see the movie. I was a little hesitant because I knew it was in 3D and I hate 3D. But it was actually my dad who convinced me that the 3D was well used and that it wasn't distracting. From the opening shot of Earth from outer space, through the intense action scenes, and finally in the nail-biting conclusion, the film really tricked my senses into believing that I was watching a movie that was actually set in space. I did a little bit of research because I wanted to see how they were actually able to get those shots, like especially the one of Sandra Bullock spinning off into space. And it turns out that Quaran and Lubeski made this 20-foot high light box, which was essentially an LED monitor folded into a cube shape. And they were able to project the images of space and Earth onto those images and then spin those images and they were able to keep Bullock still so she could act without having to want to throw up every 30 seconds. I mentioned my hatred of 3D. What Lubeski was able to do is what they've more successfully done in animated films where they use the 3D to add depth to the image as opposed to using it for cheap thrills or surprises. Also what I've hated in 3D movies is that anytime there's action the 3D makes the image blurry and it makes it really hard to follow the action. I think it's Lubeski's impressive grasp of lighting and the craft of filmmaking that makes the action and gravity both sharp and clear, and it makes the intensity more magnified instead of diminishing it. Lubeski's been called one of the greatest living cinematographers, and I have to agree. I first noticed him in 2006 with a five-minute-long continuous shot in Children of Men. 
Clearly, he's just upped his game since then with Gravity. And after such an impressive feat of filmmaking, I'm really curious to see what he does next. But for now, he can add a BP to his six Oscar nominations and his BAFTA. Our next presenter needs no introduction. He is simply friend of the show, Jason Egan. Thank you, gentlemen. The nominees for Best Original Screenplay all involve the director of the film. Um, I think this is pretty telling because it's nobody's first film, and you sort of see this trend that all of these people are sort of developing their styles. I I don't know if I would say that this is my favorite film from any of these uh, specific people, but it does speak to a sort of consistent quality of their work, uh, both as writers and filmmakers, and in some cases as the lead actor in the film as well. So, the nominees for Best Original Screenplay are Eric Singer and David O. Russell, American Hustle, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, Francis Ha, Spike Jones, Her, Joel and Ethan Cohen, Inside Lewin Davis, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, The World's End, and the winner for Best Original Screenplay, The Beepy, goes to Spike Jones for her. Um, I, I really love this movie. It's my favorite film of the year. I think it's smart, funny, heartbreaking, and it really couldn't have come from anyone but Spike Jones. Uh, his authorial voice is distinct among the vast sea of quirky writers. He stands out. And what gives this script such vitality is its incredible fusion of science fiction and romance. Like many other great sci-fi movies before it, her heightens key aspects of society beyond what is currently possible as a way to better illuminate the current social landscape. Particularly impressive is how the script explores the way increasing immediacy in our relationship with technology affects our perception of intimacy with another person. That Spike Jones was able to keep both sides of that of that coin in view, and far from falling apart, the, p- the parallel between the two only deepens makes him richly deserving of this most prestigious award. Congratulations, Mr. Jones. The BP is yours. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. You know, David, there are a lot of phrases and topics that have come up again and again on this podcast. After so many episodes, I suppose we may have repeated ourselves once or twice. Perhaps some of us more than others, David. What do you say we take a look at a few of our old standards? Why not? Ladies and gentlemen, if you will, I present the BP's tribute to our catchphrases. Hello and welcome aboard the battleship Pretension. Let's get into it, shall we? I've become increasingly conservative over the years. In the syllabus, the class was called Sci-Fi Viz of a Post-Hum Fut. David, why are you treating me this way? Why do you make me earn your love? Please send us Tim Tams. Delightful. From a formalist perspective... I won Best Actor in the State of Missouri for the year 2000. 
One time I made out with Shane West. There's this Tom Waits song. We need to wrap up, but one more thing. Ugh. Quit crying, loser. Propel Zero Grape. Friend of the show, Jason Eakin. Movies are stupid. We get invited to press screenings sometimes. No, thank you. I don't talk about my day job on the podcast. La bicicleta es verde. I'm just going to come out and say it. The Palestinians are terrorists. Hello, everybody, and indeed, welcome to Never Not Funny. With all due respect, Mr. President, I cannot give that order. I have more money than I have friends. I am so unhappy. Why is there so much blood? next presenter is a longtime friend of the show. He is a comic book writer, having contributed stories to various Disney comics such as Darkwing Duck and Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, as well as the Zombie Tales comic franchise. Please welcome Ian Brill. Thank you, uh, Tyler and David. I'm honored to uh, present the award for Best Cameo. This is something unique to the BPs. Uh, This is for Best uh, acting in a performance that's 10 minutes and under. It's something uh, unique to the BPs and is a reason why this show has been uh, so amazing. And so, with that, let's see what's the word on Cameo. F. Murray Abraham inside Lewin Davis. Matthew McConaughey for The Wolf of Wall Street. Michael Sarah for This is the End. Robert De Niro for American Hustle. And Spike Jones. For the Wolf of Wall Street. And the winner is. That's right, Spike Jones. No, it's Matthew McConaughey for Wolf of Wall Street. And McConaughey's role of Mark Hanna in this film serves as a kind of a, a siren song, but also a warning to Jordan Belfort, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and also is kind of a microcosm for the whole film and, and does what a, a small cameo role like this can really do well. Um, he's a person overtaken by greed and, and excess to the point where he's lost perspective on life, uh, something that becomes a, a big part of the film. It's what, the, what, what overtakes Jordan Belfort's life. But even though McConaughey, McConaughey is an avatar for the film, this tragedy is not played for sorrow. It's played for comedy, which, even though Wolf of Wall Street isn't just a comedy, that is the engine of a lot of the film. And even then, his, his, his comedy is its own unique brand of absurdism with his you know, uh, recently demonstrated chest-thumping and uh, his, his weird singing. It's its own kind of absurdism that uh, you keep thinking about even even though the film is so long and he's just in it at the very beginning, it's something that hangs over the, fi- over the film, certainly explicitly. There's a scene that recalls him near the end, but also he is, he is almost uh, a, a, startling, a startling preamble to uh, everything you're about to see and really sets the tone. So uh, in that, it, it, it was a, a vital part of a, of a 
excellent and startling film. Our next presenter is a frequent guest on the Battleship Pretension podcast. He has starred in such films as The Innkeepers, Compliance, and Cheap Thrills. Please welcome Pat Healy. Thanks, guys. I am presenting the award for Best Documentary. Uh, the way I see it, there are a group of films here that break down into two categories. Um, two films, The Act of Killing and Blackfish, are very political films. Uh, they're films that are out to enact a change in society in some way. Room 237, Stories We Tell and We Steal Secrets, are all sort of Rorschach tests in a way. They are stories about one thing, but they ostensibly give us a chance to look at certain people's personalities filtered through these shared experiences. Sometimes very different points of view uh, merge in uh, strange and interesting and mysterious ways. So the nominees for Best Documentary are The Act of Killing, directed by Joshua Oppenheimer, Blackfish, directed by Gabriella Copperthwaite. Room 237, directed by Rodney Asher. Stories We Tell, directed by Sarah Polly. And We Steal Secrets, the story of WikiLeaks, directed by Alex Gibney. And the winner is Room 237, directed by Rodney Asher. Uh, this is a great film that a lot of people have uh, wrongly assumed and perhaps I think erroneously criticized for being a documentary about the making of The Shining or analysis of the film The Shining. What it is about is, is the personalities of the people who are obsessively thinking about The Shining and watching The Shining all the time. And I think ultimately it's about those people and why they think the things they think. And for me, uh, knowing some of Rodney Asher's earlier works, like The S from Hell, that have a satirical edge, I, I very much had in mind that this would be a tongue-in-cheek exercise, uh, maybe something that would be in some way making fun of uh, the loonies online and the wild conspiracy theories, but I came away with it. Uh, I came away from it with so much more. It was a really moving experience for my older brother and I, who have always been cinephiles and who love, we both love talking about movies so much. And we realized how much what we think of a movie says about us. I remember a very moving discussion after seeing this film that came out of discussing Room 237 and how people discussed the film and, and what they thought of The Shining said about them. And my brother told me a very moving story about seeing the documentary Shoah about the Holocaust. And in the film, there is a scene where a date flashes on screen. And the date is the day when uh, many people were killed in what I believe was a, an Italian village. Uh, they were shipped off to a concentration camp that was very far away and everyone on the train died before they even arrived to the destination. The date listed on the screen is 
June 29th, 1944, which is our father's birthday. Um, and our grandfather was in Europe in World War II at the time. And my brother talked about how, how powerfully that, that moved him and how mysterious it was to him and why, and what is the connection. And it led me to think a lot about how personal movies can be and how, how much is revealed by talking about them, not just about the film, but about ourselves. So I'm happy to give this award to Room 237, which does this kind of storytelling in the best possible way. The next presenter is an expert on crazy-ass movies. His podcast, What the Fuck Are You Watching?, is a part of the Battleship Pretension podcasting fleet. Please welcome Kyle Anderson. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Uh, I'm here to announce the winner of the Best Supporting Actress. Now, Webster's Dictionary defines supporting actress as the actress who supports the lead. This year, we have several nominees who do just that. They can't be said to be leads. They definitely support. So, the nominees are Emma Watson for The Bling Ring, Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle, June Squibb for Nebraska, Lupita Nyong'o, 12 Years a Slave, and Sally Hawkins, Blue Jasmine. And the winner is... Not circled on the card. Just kidding, you guys. Ah, some of the fun that we have. The winner is Lupita Nyong'o, 12 Years a Slave. Uh, she couldn't be here today to accept her award, <laughs> being that she is a big actress and this is a room. Um, but uh, her performance in 12 Years a Slave is absolutely phenomenal, and it, it completely deserves to win everything that it has been winning and will likely win uh, in the Oscars. She has the kind of un uh, unthankful task of being the victim. In a film full of victims, she has to be the most victimized and yet still the, the strongest. And one of her final scenes uh, with uh, Chiwetelogy 4 is, is just utterly heartbreaking. And, uh, and you really feel for her kind of, you know, Solomon Northup is kind of even viewing it, even though he's going through horrible things, viewing it, her story as the worst thing that's happening. So uh, she really does a great job. And the fact that she's a, a relatively young and untested actress is, uh, it, it, I can't wait to see what else she does, because she is, uh, to coin a phrase, amazing. Our next presenter is a regular contributor to Battleship Pretension. You can read her reviews of movies new and old at battleshippretension.com. Please welcome Rita Cannon. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm here to present the award for Best Foreign Film. The nominations are Joshua Oppenheimer, The Act of Killing, Abdelatif Kashish, Blue is the Warmest Color, Thomas Vinterberg, The Hunt, Abbas Kiristami, Like Someone in Love, and Asghar Farhadi, The Past. And the BP goes to Joshua Oppenheimer for The Act of Killing. This movie is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, it's really amazing. Errol Morris and Werner Herzog served as producers on it, and I think you can really sense their influence in the way that it uses artifice to sort of expose a larger truth. Um, there are a lot of documentaries about 
you know, historical atrocities and genocides. But this is the only one I've seen um, that not only is told from the perspective of the perpetrators, but from the perspective of perpetrators who have never had to face any consequences for what they did and still seem mostly convinced that what they did was right. Um, they don't seem completely convinced of that, which is part of what makes the movie so fascinating, especially when you get into the second half of it. Um, it's not e easy to sit through. It's pretty disturbing. Um, its view of human morality is sort of dire, um, but it's also surreal and visually beautiful and even sort of ghoulishly funny at certain points. Um, it does a really amazing job not only of shedding light on a historical event that I personally had never heard of before, but of uh, providing a perspective on it that's unique and bracing and just really startlingly unvarnished. It's a really remarkable accomplishment. So congratulations, Joshua Oppenheimer, on your BP award. You certainly earned it. This next presenter is the co-host of the AuteurCast and the official voice of our audio reviews. He is also Battleship Pretension's foremost expert on movie music. Please welcome West Anthony. Okay, so uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, having me uh, on the show and inviting me to participate in the BPs or BPs or whatever you're going to call them or however you're going to pronounce it. Uh, I'm here to announce the winner for uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. And uh, the nominees are uh, John Ridley for 12 Years a Slave, Richard Linklater, Julie Delpy, and Ethan Hawke for Before Midnight, Billy Ray for Captain Phillips, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely for Pain and Gain, and Terrence Winter for The Wolf of Wall Street. And uh, the envelope, please. Yeah, because these are... Ow! The envelope just shot me! What the hell? I knew these things were difficult to open, but uh, this is ridiculous. I protest. All right. Uh, we will continue anyway. And the, the winner is... Terrence Winter, The Wolf of Wall Street. So, there you go. Uh, congratulations to uh, Mr. Winter. I believe this is his first nomination for the BPs and uh, his first win, so hey, way to go. Uh, I, of course, uh, love The Wolf of Wall Street. I think it's a spectacular film in many, many ways, uh, not the least of which is the screenplay. Uh, if any of you have actually read uh, Jordan Belfort's book, uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting read, but one of the principal differences that I note between the source material and the screenplay is that Jordan Belford actually does sort of make an attempt to uh, be sympathetic in, in a couple of ways, and I think a lot of that stuff sort of largely gets left out, because I really feel like Terrence Winter, uh, in league with the director, Martin Scorsese, were really trying to say something about just how rotten this situation is that uh, we find ourselves in at the, at the hands of all of these uh, financial uh, pirates and scumbags. And that was really the message that I think they wanted to import, and uh, that's pretty much the tack that they stuck to. And in doing so, I think that Terrence Winter really sold the idea of an incredibly dark, satirical story, which I know understand that a lot of people didn't really appreciate it on that level, but I think it goes deeper than saying that, well, Americans just don't appreciate satire. I think a large part of it is also having to do with the culture that we've created, that this pursuit of money is everything above all other things. And to, to see it sort of written in this way, I think is kind of kind of disturbing to a lot of people. 
that that's one of the things that I really love about this movie. And uh, so I'd like to uh, congratulate Terrence Winter and everybody responsible. This, uh, this movie is superb. Thank you, West. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a moment to remember those we've lost. Our next presenter is our official Chicago correspondent, whose various blog series can be found on our website, live via satellite. Here's Aaron Pinkston. Thank you, gentlemen, for including me in this star-studded event. The definition of film editing is pretty simple. It's the process of putting various scenes together in some semblance of order or non-order to tell a story. But there are millions of possibilities when editing a film, so there are clearly films that stand out, showing superior judgment of when to cut, how to cut, and perhaps when not to cut. This year's nominees for Best Editing are Christopher Rouse for Captain Phillips, Alfonso Cuaron and Mark Sanger for Gravity, Roderick James for Inside Lewin Davis, Thelma Schoonmaker for The Wolf of Wall Street, Paul Macklis for The World's End. And the winner of the BP is Alfonso Cuaron and Mark Sanger for Gravity. Mr. Cuaron and Mr. Sanger couldn't be here with us tonight, so I will gladly accept this award on their behalf. The two most important properties of Gravity, space and time, are completely molded by the film's brilliant editing. Through its various long takes, the film is able to create a tangible sense of space and the appearance of real time. 
During the extraordinary 13-minute, uninterrupted opening shot, the viewer is able to explore every inch of the film's endless environment, something that couldn't be achieved to the same massive effect with a series of quick cuts. Of course, gravity isn't in real time, as the events of the film last at least three hours, but the length of each shot and the timing of each cut puts us into space with Ryan Stone, grasping for breath right along with her as the film refuses to give us safe haven by cutting to an easy way out. There is no doubt that from every technical standpoint, especially the editing, gravity is as extraordinary as the events it portrays. This next presenter is one of our writers and a podcaster himself. He is the co-host of the More Than One Lesson podcast. Please welcome Josh Long. Hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, bringing me on. I am excited to be part of the first annual BPs, hopefully uh, the first of many. I'm here to present the Best Actor Award. Uh, Probably any of you who have been following this know this is a little bit of a tough year. There's some uh, tough competition here, whereas in uh, past years there's been kind of a clear front runner. But uh, I've heard people describe almost all of these... uh, almost all these nominees as the front runner. So I feel like, uh, it's been a, it's been a very good year for acting. So here are the nominees. The first is Chiwetel Ejiofor for 12 years a slave. Then we have Joaquin Phoenix for her. We have Leonardo DiCaprio for the Wolf of Wall Street. We have Oscar Isaac for Inside Lewin Davis. And we have Tom Hanks for Captain Phillips. So drum roll, and the winner for the BP for Best Actor 2013 goes to the hardest one to say, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I had to practice that. Um, now, this is, uh, to talk a little bit about this one, I, I voted for, the, this is the one I voted for, but it was, a like I say, it was a very tough one to vote for. Um, I think, honestly, I think I could have given this to to any of these, which made it almost like a, almost a coin toss, but I, I think the reason that I went with, uh, again, Chiwetel Ejiofor, someone's going to email me afterwards and tell me I was saying that wrong. I think I'm saying it close enough anyway. Um, the, the reason I went with that is because I feel like that might be the role that required most of him as an actor as compared to the others. And granted, it's a very small margin, I think. Uh, and you could argue the other way for many of them, I'm sure. But for me personally, it felt like that was the role that seemed to require the most of, uh, of him as an actor, um, both, both physically. Um, for anyone who's seen the movie, you can attest there are some very difficult physical scenes in that one. Um, and then, obviously, the, some very high emotions, some very difficult emotions to deal with. And um, one of my favorite things about it, and some of this goes to the script as well, but one of my favorite things about it was the subtlety um, of... Th- this isn't like a, like a Kunta Kinte sort of role where he's always fighting against, um, and that's the struggle, is that he's, he's always fight- fighting against. The, uh, the struggle is more kind of within, like how does he handle this situation, because there's no getting out. Every time he sort of tries to escape he's he's hit down so hard that he it seems like maybe he'll never get away so um i think just just to see 
him reacting with how he's going to cope with this world and how he's going to try and live in this world if indeed he does have to continue to forever be a slave unjustly. Um, I thought that was a very interesting aspect of that performance, and I think thought he brought um, a great deal to it. So, yeah, um, excited, excited for him. I'm sure he's thrilled about his uh, his BP's win, and um, we'll see what happens next year. Our next presenter has the best hair in the room. You may know him as the co-host of Hey Watch This, the television podcast. We know him as the king of TV. Please welcome Paul Goble. Thanks, guys. Uh, hi. I'm Paul Goble, and I'm here to uh, give away the BP for Best Actress. Uh, it was quite the category this year because everyone in it sucks uh, for the most part. I like Amy Adams, but let's be honest. American Hustle is not as great as most people think it was. Uh, if she had worn a T-shirt for the whole movie, she wouldn't have been nominated. So that, that's why she didn't get my vote. Um, and everyone else in this category, for the most part, is terrible. So uh, let's go ahead and, and read the nominees. As I said, Amy Adams for American Hustle. And I, if she wins, we'll give her two smaller BPs to go along with her uh, big BP for her each breast. Amy Simitz for Upstream Color, which is a fucking joke. The only award that movie should get is Biggest Waste of My Time. Uh, Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Uh, uh, she's pretty good, I hear. Greta Gerwig for Francis Ha. You know, and I like Greta Gerwig, but that movie should be called Francis Ha Ha. I just took 12 bucks out of your wallet. Unbelievably bad. And Julie Delpy for Before Midnight, which should be called Before You See This Movie. Make sure you watch the other two pieces of shit that came before this. Midnight. All right, so the BP for Best Actress goes to... Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. As I said, the only one really who deserves it. I didn't even see this movie. I hear it's really good, and I can't wait to watch it. But Kate Blanchett's awesome. I think we can all agree on that. And she's certainly better than the rest of these humps in this category. So congratulations, Kate. You earned the BP for Best Actor. Thank you, Paul. That was awful. David, who's next? Our next presenter is the second half of the auteur cast, which examines the complete works of some of the most notable directors in the history of film. Who better to present the award for best director than Rudy Obias? Putting together a world-class film takes a world-class director working with world-class actors, screenwriters, cinematographers, and editors. Luckily, there are five world-class directors nominated for this year's BP for best director. The nominees are Alfonso Cuaron, Gravity, Joel and Ethan Cohen, Inside Lewin Davis, Martin Scorsese, The Wolf of Wall Street, Spike Jones, Her, Steve McQueen, 12 Years a Slave. And the BP goes to Alfonso Cuaron, Gravity. In 2013, Alfonso Cuaron released a space epic that examined the nature of existence and the human will to survive. Gravity featured Alfonso Cuaron working on another level as a director from his previous films, Children of Men and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, with fluid camera work, clear mise-en-scene, and a realistic outer space backdrop. While Gravity plays on the heartstrings with a simple character study, Alfonso Cuaron's work behind the camera defies expectation and elevates the material. All right. 
the time has come to reveal the winner of Best Picture at the, for the first ever BP's ceremony. That's right. Very, the first ever BP's ceremony. Indeed, Best Picture yes. winner. Yeah. At this point, you know what? I, I go back and forth on the pronunciation. Like, I've, I, I haven't stuck with mine. I haven't gone with yours. It's just wherever the wind takes me, apparently. But that's neither here nor there. We've got a, we've got a job to do. Yes. No time for tangents right now, Dave. This is very, very exciting. All right. So, the nominees for Best Picture are... 12 Years a Slave, directed by Steve McQueen. Gravity, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Her, directed by Spike Jones. Inside Lewin Davis, directed by the Coen Brothers. And The Wolf of Wall Street, directed by Martin Scorsese. And the winner is... Her, directed by Spike Jones. Pause, pause for applause. Oh, nice. Right? You even rhymed there. That's exciting. Uh, I'm a consummate professional, as is Mr. Spike Jones. And what, uh, what I want to say about this, this movie is um, how, how surprisingly good it was. <laughs> you, you know? Um, it could, th- there are several times when it could have taken, not necessarily a wrong step, but given the, the nature of the premise... It could have been overly and, funny or and, overly dramatic. And given that Spike Jones, as a screenwriter, is relatively untested. Yes. Uh, you know, as, as the originator of a story mm-hmm. um, on paper, we didn't really know what we were going to get from yeah. him. And uh, it, I think the movie sort of goes to show how much of... Uh, you can go back to his other films now and see how much of a director is in... It's like a case study of how much of a director is in work, even if the director, if he or she didn't write the script. Oh, absolutely. Because this is so much of a piece with his other, his other stuff in its, in its soulfulness and its uh, vulnerability. Yeah. You know? He is, uh, I think I've said it before, um, you say soul and vulnerability, I would say heart and humanity. It's all basically the same mm-hmm. thing. He just, he, he took a premise, and of course he, is, he, he did write it, and he won the, the, the BP for Best Original Screenplay, and rightfully so, I think. Um, so he did write it, but then he directed it with, and the premise is, it, it could be almost purely intellectual if you look at it from a certain way. Uh, it could be academic, it could be just talking about the, the, the themes and focusing more on that than character. Uh, I think uh, Spike Jones' frequent collaborator, Charlie Kaufman, tends to be that way, I think. Um, uh, a guy who writes from his head, not necessarily his heart. And, yeah, this, I, I, and this premise is a very Kaufman-like premise, but it's definitely Spike Jones, the humanitarian and uh, soulful director. And it's very much... From the heart, as you say, um, something that he's that when I talk about Spike Jones bringing it to uh, to compare to where the wild things are, mm-hmm. in which he was in- incredibly adept at giving you a world real or fantastical from a very specific and very well understood point of view. This yeah. child who's maybe angry about things that to us seem very childlike, mm-hmm. but uh, are me are the most important thing in the world to him. And he did the same thing here. He. Uh, so identified both he identified and allowed us to identify with Theodore Twombly uh, and to see the world from his point of view and that, that's where the humanism that you mentioned yeah. uh, comes in because theater, Theodore is not um, maybe the most uh, evolved or mature person certainly not as much as he would like to think of himself 
Um, and uh, Spike Jones allows us to see the world of someone who doesn't maybe someone who really, really wants to be loved and to love, but doesn't necessarily know what that means. Maybe thinks he does, but doesn't. Yeah. And uh, it does that without ever... It, 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 he gets behind Theodore Twombly's eyes, as it were, and shows it in a way that never condescends or mocks who Theodore Twombly is. It's, uh, it, it, his faults and all, you understand him wholly as a person. Yeah, if you walk into this movie knowing the premise, you might be inclined to be somewhat... Uh, Condemning and maybe even mocking of Theodore's behavior and his choices, but by the end of it, in spite of the fact that it does take place in the future and it is such a specific, strange premise, I mean, I I walked out of this feeling like personally, the the Christian term is convicted, personally convicted of like how I approach relationships. And how I approach other people, whether it be friends or my wife or whatever, uh, because as you and I have said on the show many times, somehow the more specific you get, the more general uh, your theme can apply, the more generally your theme can apply. And so that and that goes to, I think, his his own uh, lack of condemnation of uh, Theodore, but then also his sympathy towards Samantha. A lesser director, and certainly a lesser writer, might have written Samantha as intriguing at first, kind of playful, kind of funny, a little bit sexy, but eventually villainous, to a certain extent. Uh, or at least somebody that we're kind of rooting against. Uh, but he doesn't. He, he treats uh, Samantha as uh, an important character who's learning uh, how to feel, how to think. And, and it's just... It's a, it is astounding to me how a director can have so much genuine love and sympathy for every character in his film. And I, and I'm, I think you can tell that Tyler and I are very happy that this won. Absolutely. Uh, we think it absolutely deserves it. And we think that this, this, first, um, this first BP ceremony has been a rousing success, and we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can, of course, find the regular show. Uh, in the podcast feed and on the website at battleshippretension.com where you can find the contributions of all the people that you heard Mm -hmm. leading categories and winners here today. So um, thank you to all of them. Thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, And we will do this again next year. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.